Good work, team. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. We'll come back in a few and do some more worship together toward the end of our service. But uh, if you would, please do grab a Bible and get with me to Jonah chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put the verses up on the bottom of the screen there, and you'll be able to track along that way. But we are going to jump into the Bible right now and allow for God's Word to speak over us. Uh, We're going to do a series of messages this week and the next couple where we look at passages from the Old Testament that help us to pray. And Jonah is a prophet of God who finds himself in the belly of a fish praying to God. It's one of those moments where the prayer is obviously a prayer of distress, uh, a prayer of brokenness, a prayer of concern, and uh, a prayer that really is the only thing that he can do in that moment. And um, many of us kind of feel that way right now, uh, especially if you're a doer right now, you want to get out and do something. Um, but we've, many of us have kind of found ourselves in that situation right now where we're saying, we don't know what else we can possibly do other than just pray. And so we want to make sure that we're doing that and doing that well. And so we're going to look at Jonah's prayer today. And then over the next couple of weeks, we'll look at some other Old Testament prayers as well. And uh, we'll use that then hopefully to populate our own prayers. Uh, I'll, I'll share with you even in this message why I feel like that's important um, to have Scripture being some of the things that we're talking to God about, Um, but let's go ahead and get to work. We're in Jonah chapter 2, and I'm going to read starting in verse 1 all the way through the end of that prayer there, all the way through verse 10, and then we'll pray and we will get to work. So Jonah chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet, I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me and deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapping around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Let's pray. Lord, right now we ask that you would help each of us to hear your steady voice. We're grateful, God, that you've gifted us with the ability to communicate with you through prayer. We're grateful, God, that you've given us examples of prayer throughout your scripture. And we ask right now that as we listen in to Jonah and what he poured out to you, Lord, that we would learn how to pray as well. Lord, we we ask right now that you would help us to know you better, to know your saving work in our lives and in our world, and that we would worship you as a result. We pray all of this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, well, as we look at the prayer of Jonah, we see that he's uh, praying for help Uh, that there's this reality about the prayer that is a prayer of distress. 
And we also find in the second half of the prayer that it's really a prayer of hope, that he begins to communicate with God according to God's saving purposes. And so let's get to work at it. First off, we find this prayer for help. He's crying out in verses 1 and 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. So we find out right away what prayer really is. Prayer is that calling out to God. It's calling on God's name. It's crying out to him and asking for him to hear us and to respond. And Jonah is saying here that he is praying to God and God hears him and answers accordingly. Now, in Jonah's case, he is in a very unique situation. If you're unfamiliar with the story, let me tell it to you quickly. If you've heard it before, just bear with me for a minute or two. But Jonah is a prophet of God And God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, the uh, capital city of Assyria, and to preach against it, for the wickedness of the city has come before God. And Jonah says, I'm not going there. And Jonah pieces out, and he goes in the opposite direction, and he goes down to a port city called Joppa, and he finds a boat there, and he finds that the boat is going the opposite direction of Nineveh, and he pays a fare, and he gets on the boat, and he goes into the bottom of the boat, and he falls asleep. But God says, I'm not done with you, dude. And God sends a storm after him. And the sailors of the ship realize, they recognize, having you know, been on a ship before, and it's their vocation, and it's what they're used to, and they're saying, this is no normal storm. And they begin to freak out. And they say, where's that dude Jonah? And they find him in the bottom of the boat sleeping, and they wake him up, and they say, cry out to your God. Obviously, the gods are angry with us right now. We're going to die out here in the Mediterranean Sea, so call out to your God. And they draw straws, and they're trying to figure out who upset the gods. And Jonah draws the the shortest straw, and they say, okay, what have you done? Dude, what have you done? Jonah says, well, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God of the heavens and the earth, the God over the seas and all that's in them. I worship God, the real God, and I've run away from him. And he's chasing me down. And they think to themselves, we are in deep trouble. And he says, here's what you need to do. Jonah says to the sailors, throw me overboard. Throw me over and you guys will be fine. And they say, no way. If God is after you, if he's looking for you, we're not going to do you harm. And so they're worried and they row harder. They're like, we're going to get you back to shore. We're going to give you back to your God and he can deal with you as he sees fit. But we need to get home. And they're rowing as hard as they can. And they come to the end of themselves and they say, we don't know what else to do. So they begin to pray to God. And they say to God, please do not hold us guilty for what we're about to do. We don't know what else we could do in this moment, but we're listening to your guy tell us what we need to do, and we're going to throw him overboard. And they do that, and then the storm subsides, and the sea goes calm again, and they then begin to worship God. It says that they offer sacrifices to God, and they make vows to him. But Jonah is in the water, And he is sinking and he is drowning. And so now he's able to say that this was his experience. In his distress, he cried out to God. And he says it like this, from the realm of the dead. The word that they use back then, Sheol, he's saying, from the grave. I called out to you and you heard me. And you saved me. You rescued me. This is the moment in the story where Jonah really is coming to his senses. 
He's finally realizing how foolish it is to run away from God and God's plan for him. And he's coming to his senses. It reminds me of a story that Jesus once told where he said it's, you know, it's kind of like this story about the prodigal sons. And one of the sons says to the dad, and the dad represents God, one of the sons says to the dad, give me my share of the inheritance. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And he takes his inheritance and he runs off and he just spends it all. And in the story that Jesus tells about that son, there's a moment in the story where the son comes to his senses and he begins to think, I was a lot better off with my father. And he begins that journey home. Well, that's where Jonah is at in this moment. He's in the belly of the fish. He's coming to his senses finally. And he's beginning to pray now to the Lord. And he's beginning to acknowledge the foolishness of his choices But he is crying out for help. This is a prayer of distress. This is him saying, I need your help, and I am in despair. It's a prayer of despair. Look at verses 3 to 6. He's giving voice to the experience that he's going through. And as he's giving voice to that experience, he's filling his prayer with Scripture. In fact, if you just look at it in those short that short little prayer that we have in front of us, he quotes Psalm 42, verse 7. He quotes Psalm 31, verse 22. He quotes Psalm 69, verse 1. He quotes Psalm 142, verse 3. He quotes Psalm 31, verse 6. He quotes Psalm 3, verse 8. Do you see what he's doing then? He's taking his Bible and he's saying, I'm going through a traumatic experience, but God has given me words to process that. And he's using the Psalms to give voice to his prayers. Since um, March 15th, we've been streaming our services online. And, and, and you, you know, you know, if you think back on the timeline of COVID-19 and shelter in place and safer at home and all of that, we've been, you know, for weeks now, we have been in this situation of distress where our lives have been disrupted. And so what we've done uh, at our site is we have went into the book of Psalms And we've been using the Psalms to really steady our hearts. And we're saying, God, you've given us this wonderful book called Your Word, but you've given us the Psalter to really help us articulate what it feels like to go through traumatic experiences. And so we've thought through, you know, I'm so glad, God, that you are a shepherd who can lead us through the valleys of darkness. Um, I'm so glad that you care for us, that you are able to, even if we were to be struck down, we would come back to life. You will not let your anointed one see decay. We've been saying, God, you are our refuge. You are our safety and our shelter in the midst of calamity. God, you are the place that we are seeking refuge. And, and on and on and on. We've been taking the Psalms and hopefully throughout this entire experience together, we're learning how to pray to God using his word. One of the things that we should do as a result of this is we should become familiar with using God's Bible to communicate in prayer with him, just like Jonah is doing here. Hopefully, we'll be able to use the language of the Psalms to express what it's really like to be going through a traumatic experience. And so, let's look at how he describes it. He feels that he is dying. Look at verse 3. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. Rosemary Nixon, uh, in her little commentary on Jonah, she does a very capable job. It's a beautiful commentary, but she shows how this prayer descends 
to the climax in verses 5 and 6 and then ascends from there as Jonah experiences deliverance. And she's pointing out in her commentary that what's happening with Jonah is he is dying and God is reviving him. He is experiencing death. And so when he cries out, what is he saying? He's not, he's not mincing words here. He's saying, I am drowning. I am dying here. I've been cast overboard and away from your presence. And I am at the end of myself. I'm dying here. I'm a goner. Uh, my son Harrison, something fell on the ground yesterday. And he goes, that's a goner. Um, and that's what Jonah is saying here. I'm a goner. I've been thrown overboard and I am dying. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea, and I am drowning. When I was doing youth ministry, we took the students to Pearl Lake, and um, we decided to get there early in the morning, right away, and uh, just, you know, make the most of, of the day. And so we went to Pearl Lake, and uh, it's a lake here in, in town, not far from the tree farm. And Uh, We had students with and leaders with and then some friends. And um, we were there for all of three minutes. And a bunch of the students said, let's swim out to that duck. And right away, they all jump in the water and they start swimming. And, you know, we're still putting stuff down and kind of getting organized. But a group of them are swimming out. And they're going out to this swim platform out there. And then there's a boy who gets about halfway out. And he realizes, I'm not going to make it to that dock. And then he looks back at the shore and he realizes, I'm not going to make it to the shore either. And he begins to panic. And luckily, we were the only group there at that point. So the lifeguards right away are in the water, swimming over to him. And he's freaking out. He thinks he's going to die. And I'm watching him flail and I'm, you know, I'm praying and I'm, I'm freaking out. And, you know, there's just this moment where everyone is incredibly panicked and they, the lifeguards have to subdue him because he's just so panicked in that moment that they have to get him safely to shore uh, without drowning themselves. And, and, um, and they get him to the shore and everybody, I mean, that, that whole experience is soured. I, I won't bring students to water again. Um, so everyone's freaked out by it. But that picture then for me is kind of what I want to imagine when I think about Jonah. It wasn't this, you know, we, we tell the story of Jonah in Sunday school and in our, you know, curriculums. We kind of gloss over it in our children's Bibles and we can easily say, yeah, Jonah was thrown into the heart of the sea and we don't really give thought to what that would have been like. But Jonah here is saying, I was drowning to death. I was dying. I was a goner. I was dead. And then he describes what that was like. Your current swirled about me. Your waves and breakers swept over me. And a part of what made it so traumatic was that God felt absent. I said, verse 4, I've been banished from your sight. He's he's saying that part of the problem and part of the experience wasn't just the circumstances of him potentially physically dying in that moment. A part of what was so traumatic about it was He felt as though God had turned his back on him. That I've been banished from your sight. The greatest problem for believers, it isn't the presence of problems in our lives. It's not the, you know, the greatest issue for us isn't that there are problems. The greatest issue for us is that at times it seems as though God is absent. That's what Jonah is expressing here. I was sinking to the bottom. And and at the end of the day, what was the most upsetting thing about it was, 
I felt cast away from your presence, God. Here I am in the Mediterranean Sea, sinking to the bottom, having been swallowed now by a fish, and I felt as though I was never going to experience the gladness of God in my life again. The presence of God in my life. And, and he's describing it, and it just feels hopeless. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. Verse 6, to the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. This is despairing language. This is that prayer of despair. He's saying, I was dying there, but I cried out to God and he heard me. And even in the midst of it, you get this glimpse of that transforming power. In verse 4 at the end there, it said, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Even in the midst of that calamity, there's this um, acknowledgement there that even though I was sinking and even though I was drowning and even though I felt removed from your presence, he had this awareness that God was going to redeem him, that God was going to rescue him. Yet again, I will look toward your holy temple. There was this reality that the problems in his life weren't proof that God didn't care. They actually were evidence of God's care. The fact that there was a storm that came after him and he was cast overboard and now a fish had swallowed him whole and everything that we would look at and say, those are all realities that point to maybe God's displeasure. But now Jonah is being transformed to see, no, God cares for me and he loves me and he is pursuing me. And yet again, I will look on his holy temple. So the question really is, what happens when we run from God? What happens when we go through traumatic experiences like COVID-19 or like, you know, the loss of income or like the loss of loved ones? What, what we come to find out is that God is able to care for us there in those tender moments. Rosemary Nixon, she puts it like this, the climax of the prayer portrays Jonah at death's door, imprisoned forever in shale. But this is the turning point. And it's really addressing that question of what happens when a person runs away from God and towards death. That's what Jonah is doing. He has peaced out and he said, I don't want you, God. I'm going to go my own way. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to minister to those people. And he's running away from God and therefore running away from life itself. And he's running toward death. So what happens? Here's what Rosemary says, she says, we see that God gives Jonah the freedom to run away, but even as he reaches his destination, God is there waiting to meet and deliver him. It's a prayer of despair, but it is a prayer where God is there, and therefore it's also a prayer of hope. In verses 6 through 10, we've, the language changes, and we now begin to hear this language of hopefulness. As Jonah is praying, he's now acknowledging God's ability to save. It says, but you, Lord, my God, you brought my life up from the pit. You, Lord, my God, I was barred in by the earth and I was there forever. I was consigned to death, to Sheol. But you, Lord, my God, you brought my life up from the pit. One of the reformers, he puts it like this. He says, this is the resurrection of Jonah. He was dead. He was physically dying in that moment, but he was spiritually dead as he had ran away from God. And in this moment, he's being revived again. He is coming to life. And what we find then is that there is this emphasis, not just on, you know, God rescuing us from the physical and material problems that we go through, but what is God mainly concerned with? He's mainly concerned with reviving us spiritually. 
He's mainly concerned with helping us to see that the most important things in life really are that connectedness to him, the life-giving source. And if we have that, then we can go through all kinds of difficult things. But sometimes it's only in the midst of those despairing moments that we finally come to our senses and say, what am I doing? Why on earth am I running away from God when he is the author of my life and he is the inventor of goodness and joy and all that I'm really looking for in these other places, I really can find them to be true in God himself. So Jonah begins to pray with this hopefulness, you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Verse seven, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. He is in the Mediterranean Sea in the belly of a fish. And here's what he's coming to realize. You're there with me, God. It's this idea that your location isn't as important as your posture. Where you're at doesn't limit God. He's saying, I'm in the heart of a, I'm in the belly of a fish in the Mediterranean Sea, but it's as if I were praying in the Holy of Holies. My prayer came before you like they would come before you in the Holy Temple. He's in this remote location. And that's one of the things we have to be aware of, that God can meet us where we're at. He can meet us right where we're at and he can hear our cries and our petitions for his help and he can find us there and he can meet us there and he can answer. He can, as we remember him, our prayers can come before him and he can answer them for our good. It also reveals the the mission of God. The heart of God is that all peoples would come to saving faith in him, that the nations would come to know him in a saving way. And a part of the story of Jonah is the story of God bringing in the unlikely. God has a heart for those who are far off. And it offends Jonah, but it is the heart of God, the heart of God to bring people home to him. So here Jonah is in the fish in the depths of the sea, and God is at work there too. And not just for him, but for others as well. And so he then is able to give word or voice to what that experience means. He says in verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. What is he doing? He's finally coming to his senses and being able to say, here's what's really going on. When you turn away from God and you cling to these false saviors, you're actually you're actually losing out on God's love for you. And what, what people often do is they think that this is the better way. This makes more sense to me. This seems more satisfying, more gratifying. This is what I really want. And he's saying that by holding on to this, you're turning away from God and you're actually forfeiting the love that God has for you. And it's ironic because that's exactly what Jonah did. What's Jonah's idol? Well, I, I would imagine he has a bunch of them. But kind of on the surface of the story is the idol of his national pride. He's a Hebrew. He's a good guy. He's a follower of God. And the thought that somebody from Nineveh could experience the same goodness and love of God that he could have was enough to make him run away and change his entire life. He had this, he had this national pride. He had this really religious idol that he was a good guy and other people didn't deserve to have what he had. He had idols like that, but 
the sailors too. They had idols. They had their own gods. He, Jonah then is really, he's really this prototype of humanity. What, what does humanity do? We turn away from God and we cling to these things and we think that if we have them, they will save us. If we have enough money, if we have enough comfort, if we have, you know, the notoriety or the status, then, then that's really going to give us life and satisfaction. And Jonah is saying, look, when you cling to that, you're forfeiting the love that God has for you. You're, you're turning away from God and you're pursuing your idol and you're actually missing out. You're losing out on the goodness of God. You're losing out on his love for you. What do we need to do then? We need to release those things and say, obviously, this cannot satisfy like God can satisfy. I need to stop clinging to this worthless idol and I need to turn to God. I need to stop building my life on anything other than God. In a moment like this, one of the things that that God can graciously do is he can reveal the things that we have put way too much importance in our careers, our vocations, our comfort, our relationships, and all that stuff can kind of show up and we can, we can recognize I'm holding so fast to this thing that I'm really missing out on what God is doing behind me. He is loving me and caring for me and that is a gracious and a good thing. But that's what Jonah is saying. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But now Jonah is saying as he's coming to his senses that he's going to renew his commitment to this covenant-keeping God. Look at verse 9. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. He now is able to say, I am turning away from this silly and foolish idol, and I'm turning toward you, and I am going to display that love and that gratefulness to you. I'm going to praise you with this shout of grateful praise. I'm going to make sacrifices to you. I'm going to fulfill my vows to you because I am so grateful, God, for your love for me and your care for me and your relentless pursuit of me that found me in my darkest moment. You were there loving me so incredibly well. He also now is able to understand salvation in its truest sense. Look at verse 9 at the end there. It says, I will say, Jonah saying, I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah now is beginning to, to recognize the nature of salvation. What does it mean to be saved? And he's not just talking about being saved from the belly of the fish and being saved from the seaweed wrapped around his head and being saved from the threat of drowning. He's, he's able to say, here's where salvation resides. It is with the Lord. The way of salvation is to trust in the work that he, can, he and only he can do for you. Jonah was not going to save himself with his efforts. He wasn't going to save himself with his his supposed goodness. He wasn't going to save himself with his, you know, obedience or his, you know, willingness to follow what God wanted him to do, which is what he did prior to this episode here in Jonah in the story here of of him going to Nineveh. The the only way of salvation for Jonah or for any of us is the Lord himself. Salvation comes from from the Lord. It is trusting in what God is able to do, what God freely gifts to us. All we would have to do then is to receive it, to place our faith in it. This is a message of salvation. Jonah now is articulating what saving faith is. It is faith in the Lord. It's faith in what God is able to do. It's not an ethnicity. It's not a religion. It's trusting in the work that God and God alone can do. 
And that's where Jonah lands. He lands in this situation where he's got nowhere else to turn but to appeal to God and to say, only you can save. And salvation then comes from the Lord. Finally, the outcome in verse 10. Now the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So what do we learn then from this prayer of Jonah? It teaches us how to pray for help. It teaches us how to pray when we are in distress. It teaches us how to pray with hope, knowing that God is the one who loves us and pursues us, who redeems us from the pit, from the depths of Sheol. He's the one who comes after us. He's the one who corrects us for our good. He's the one who, who, who saves us in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. He's the one who made the way of salvation for us to place our faith in Christ and receive what only God could do. And he brings us home then. And he renews our life. He's able to say to Jonah then, okay, again, here's your assignment. Your, your life is not cast away. I'm here. I'm with you. I love you. And I have great purposes for you. And so I hope that we would learn how to pray with that sort of hope, with that sort of confidence that God is at work in our lives for our good, redeeming us from the pit, saving us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I hope that you'll trust in him and believe on him and experience that salvation and continue to pray to that incredible God. So let's go ahead and do that right now, if you would. Let's bow and talk to that God. God, we are grateful that you can help us to process the disappointing moments in life. And we're grateful, God, that you can bring us to our spiritual senses <clears throat> it's ironic, but a lot of times we run from you and then we think that it's your fault. Where are you, God? But you're right there and you're just waiting for us to turn to you in those moments. And you, <clears throat> you love us incredibly, God, and so we ask right now that you would help each and every one of us to place our faith in your saving work, that we would be honest about how we feel, but we would also have this hopefulness that you are a redeeming God, that you are able to rescue us even from death. So we place our faith in Jesus Christ and pray in his name. Amen. Amen.